Hey, what's up? This is Lexi Godlewski, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Building My Empire. On today's exciting episode, I got the chance to sit down with my friend and client, Paul Shavesty. Paul is a successful leadership coach, businessman, real estate developer, and even served as mayor of a town in Colorado. He is known for his ability to renew, reinvent, and create turnaround no matter the challenge and situation. That means he's helped people totally transform their lives, their businesses, and even entire towns, which you'll hear on this episode today. He is a true entrepreneur through and through. He's always felt this call to serve others and lead from that heart-centered, inspired place first, which is why I am thrilled that I got to sit down with him and I get to share this episode with you today. So I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we did recording it. And are you ready? Let's dive in. In 2017, I quit my unfulfilling nine to five to lead with my soul first, transform my life and build my dream business from the ground up. Since then, I've been on a mission to experience all that life has to offer and help others do the same. But here's the big question. How do soul entrepreneurs like us, you know, the ones who have big dreams but are starting from scratch, how do we change our lives, make the impact we crave, and build a successful business with soul and strategy? That's the question, and this show gives you the answers. Hey, I'm Lexi Godlewski, and welcome to Building My Empire, a journey of transformation. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Lexi. It's awesome to be here. It's just awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. I'm glad that we are finally sitting down and doing this because we've known each other for what, maybe like eight months, probably the summer of last year Yeah, is when we first met. And ever since I first met you, I've always been inspired by not only your story, but also just your energy and your Mm. mindset and your drive and just the way that you see the world. So I'm so excited to have you on the show and to share your story and just the, all the insights and the wisdom that you have with the listeners today, because I know that this episode is going to be jam packed with (laughs) insights and wisdom and everything. So thanks for being here. Awesome. Awesome. No, thanks for having me. I love to share. So of course. So let's start from the beginning. Like what is your story? What's your background? Um, How did all of this begin? Sure. So um, uh, kind of an interesting thing. I grew up with um, my mother, who is a a born deaf, Mm -hmm. and she was a beautiful person uh, inside and out and very creative and very accomplished for her day. Um, And and then my dad was very entrepreneurial. Um, So I had this this kind of dynamic uh, team, if you will, um, to learn from and grow from and see the world in different ways. And uh, both of them also have had uh, a background and a passion for art. Um, and they were kind of artists in their own right. Um, so um, there definitely were the parents ended up having challenges and, you know, getting divorced and all that kind of stuff. But they were always these interesting people and always these people that I could learn from, grow from, even the bumps and bruises, you know that you have to kind of revision your life. You have to kind of not look at it as such a horrible tragedy. I mean, you go through those little periods, but you have to say, wow, how can we make this better? How can we reinvent ourselves? How can we grow and learn and take what we have now and be grateful and thankful and uh, and make something great out of it? So um, I attribute a lot to even that bumpy road kind of growing up um, to something that 
um, taught me to um, not look at the obstacles as something impassable, right? Or we're just, we're stuck here, but as, as something to grow and to learn um, and to move forward on and to, and to have a passion. My mother was just this person with this beautiful, creative passion and vision and energy and nothing is impossible. Um, and she did amazing things in her life and, and, and was, um, really, really instrumental in a lot of that vision. And then my, again, my dad with the entrepreneurial side. So I learned to put that energy and that passion into things, even the simplest of things, you know, even, you know, I became, I, I was painting homes. I started paint being a painter, you know, kind of, uh, after high school and, kind of grew that into something and then it became a bigger company and then kept growing it and then got national um, accounts and all these kind of things. Something starting with a simple beginning, but knowing that there could be a bigger vision behind it um, and and then grew other companies in real estate and became the mayor of a town. And I guess turnarounds and new beginnings and reinventing um, is, is kind of uh, in my DNA and who I am. I love that. And I love <laughs> I I know so many parts of your story that we'll we'll dive into as well around just how much you have really reinvented yourself over the years from when you were young and in your 20s to going and becoming a mayor of a town and reinventing the town and now you're kind of in this place again of like reinvention and and recreation. So I think that's it first of all it's really cool to hear about your roots and where you came from and how that was kind of ingrained in you from the beginning but also I love how you just breezed over like <laughs> yeah I was a mayor of a town and like I did this <laughs> I did some cool real estate projects so let's can we dive into that a little bit sure, more as well absolutely. and tell me about how did that come to be of you actually becoming the mayor of the town like was that ever in your vision of something that you wanted to do for your life or is that something that just kind of came up out of the blue and you felt called towards it like how did that unravel in the journey yeah, so um, I had done a lot of real estate developments, kind of some uh, very, um, I would say, turnaround project yeah. um, in this in this town, Granby, Colorado, and uh, had purchased this land that used to be a gravel pit. And it was, people laughed at me when I bought it. They just said, oh my goodness, that's been for sale for, it was for sale for more than five years. Um, it's just kind of sat on the market. And people in the town had seen me take that property that had all kinds of issues and challenges and, you know, in wetlands and, you know, lack of access and, and all kinds of different things. But they saw me kind of um, preserve and protect all of the, the beautiful parts of it, all the wetlands and the areas, but then take the parts that um, were just buildable and developer developable. And we built this beautiful little cabin resort. And, um, and I, you know, was asked to serve as a planning commissioner and did that for five, six years um, had a lot of vision for the town and, and, and really loved the people at Town Hall and appreciated and respected the people there, um, but didn't aspire to be mayor. Um, in, in fact, um, I had a stint where the whole market went through this huge downturn in 2008, and you know it was just devastating for many people in real estate. And I ended up going down to Colorado Springs area and doing a, a turnaround, corporate turnaround for a guy that had five companies and was able to breathe a lot of life and energy into that company and ended up, you know, taking it from 17 employees to almost 110, wow. 120 people and winning the governor's award for company of the year to watch just by bringing that vision and then energy 
And then when I came back to my town of Granby um, to get my project going again, um, people kept coming to me and saying, you know, we need your the vision and we know you, we know that you do good things, we know that we can trust you, but we really need somebody to help take this town that was once hit by a guy built a tank out of a bulldozer. He bought this very huge bulldozer, created this impenetrable tank almost, and he knocked down 11 buildings, including wow. town hall, library, the newspaper. This guy just ripped right through mid, uh, you know, the middle of downtown of this what, little town. And what year was that when that happened? Um, I would uh, let's see here, like 2004 ish. Okay. Somewhere in there, 2004, 2005. I mean, there's uh, the name is they call it Killdozer. Yeah. Um, is kind of you'll see it on YouTube, probably 40, 50 million views of this. Yeah. And and there's all kinds of political things about that that I won't dive into. I wasn't part of the town at the time, but this guy definitely had a beef with the town um yeah. and other entities. Um so he Obviously, you know, went about it, in my opinion, the wrong way, but he built this tank and, <laughs> you know, yeah. did all this stuff. But the but the town, um, essentially, uh, when that giant devastation happened, um, they did, they got insurance money, they got grants, they rebuilt those buildings. And then the kind of economy went down. I wasn't part of the, again, I wasn't part as a mayor at that point, but the economy was slow. And then the town just kind of rebuilt those buildings. But in my opinion, just sat, sat really stagnant and had a vacancy of up to 50% on Main Street. Wow. So you drive through like one of these, some of these small towns and you're just like, you know, these buildings are vacant. People aren't stopping. They're driving through to get somewhere else. And um, at the time I became mayor, it was, it was, came back to that um, was after I got done with a lot of corporate turnaround work and the corporate turnaround work is really seeing what the vision is, how you can take something, um, uh, you know, companies in this, in this case, there are five different companies and look at the strengths, the assets, all the things, and then look at the shifts that need to occur and then implementing those shifts. And, and then, so when I came back and people kept saying, boy, become the mayor, I looked at the town like you would a business, um, but something I really care deeply for that community. Mm -hmm. So I put in, um, I actually created like a vision board. I created oh, cool. you know, a vision board, which became my election poster for 2016. Wait, and that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, and people saw that vision and said, if you get just one of these things accomplished, it will be a miracle. Huh. Like that's how lofty the goals were. Yeah. But when I finished, we had accomplished and or approved everything on that list, which were very wow. substantial. So that's incredible. Yeah. So, so we, I had a, I had a vision for it. I had a strategy, how to get there and how to take the town there. And, um, we really just implemented in the smallest of ways to start. Um, you know, I worked with the, the great chamber director at the time, you know, Gail, um, who, who works for the state of Colorado now, but, uh, I was saying, you know, she had the same passion to see the town turn around, and I was like, let's just get in these buildings. We got grant money and we had yeah. these things, but nobody was doing anything. So I got deputized. We actually got guys out of the county jail and created this cleanup program. And within two weeks of doing that, we had redone five facades. 
at wow. virtually no cost to anyone. We use grant money and physical labor. And I was out there throwing stuff and the guys didn't know I who I was. I didn't say I'm the mayor. You know, we were just out there working and getting it done. And um, I would say that the smallest things, you go after the low hanging fruit, you clean up, you invest your time, your energy. And then we were working on a very big project, which was complete game changer for the community. Mm -hmm. So we were able to implement the simple everyday things you can do, the low hanging fruit and go after them kind of aggressively. And then the larger picture stuff takes more strategy and time mm -hmm. and negotiations. And we were able to accomplish this huge land acquisition um, and then uh, revision the property mm -hmm. and then create a new vision for that and then kind of market that vision for I created a vision for a huge uh, uh, cabin and RV luxury RV resort with conference room, conference center and restaurants and, um, you know, all of these great things. And we ended up finding uh, a developer for that. And that became a hundred million dollar project and economic boost for the town. Wow. Um, and again, right now there is no vacancy on main street. There's new buildings being built. The town is happening and that RV resort, um, one best resort in the nation last year. That is so, incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So one of the things that I keep hearing through this, and you and I talk about this a lot because I think we both just know the power of it, but one of the underlying threads I keep hearing in that is the vision of you had the vision, you created the vision board for the town. You had this vision of taking these empty and vacant buildings, turning them into something. So tell me the role that the vision played in actually transforming the whole town around. And how did that actually help you, you know, get to where you want to be and, and make that change? Formulating a vision is, um, is, is critical. It's super important, right? There's a scripture that says without a vision, the people perish, right? So there, I mean, that's like, hello, <laughs> that's a pretty yeah. big deal, but so you have to have a vision. You have to have that. And, um, when you create a vision or a strategy for something that's large, like a real estate development or a, a companies or a town or an individual, right? Your personal mm -hmm. uh, thing, you have to have the thought that goes behind it. Like we don't want to just put pretty pictures on a, uh, on a worksheet or a board or on the computer and say, this is what we're going to do. How do we get there? Right. You have to have a lot of thought of the strategy of how to get there. Um, but in each of my cases, and I work with individuals and, and people at all levels and different professions, and then I work with companies and real estate and municipal leaders still, and we go to seeing what the assets are, what are the strengths, and then, um, and then what is the demand? In this case, in the town of Granby was, it had these really cool towns surrounding it, it had Winter Park Ski Area, on one end of the valley and on the other end it had uh, Grand Lake. But Granby was just this drive-through because it was, wasn't attractive. Again, the 50% vacancy on Main Street mm -hmm. and the parcel that we ended up acquiring was being considered as one of the largest gravel pits um, uh, in, in the state of Colorado. And um, if that had happened, that town would have turned into a permanent industrial zone it would have just really, it would probably be 80% vacant now, right? And um, so you have to create a vision. You have to create a vision with thought as to how to accomplish that goal. And then you have to get people on board, whether the companies I'm working with, an individual or the community, 
you have to do that. And you can't be so sold that your vision is the greatest. Like, you know, Ooh, uh, that's good. Especially yes. when you're managing people or a team or a whole town, like you were managing, right? Yes. And it's, it's like, I'm a person that kind of falls in love with a vision and an idea. And I put a lot of rationale and thought before I share it. But I, I have learned through the years that you also be reserved because we don't, none of us know it all. Yeah. And we're going to get the best ideas when we do. It's a starting point. So we'll share a starting point. This is a vision. This is a possibility, but I'm open to the input. And I would say that some of our best ideas come from the people that are around us in, in the corporate world and the company world. I was getting guys that were on the manufacturing floor that had some of the best mm -hmm. ideas. And uh, it, you'd think it well as the vice president, vice president, all these people. No, it was a lot of times the people that had the daily experience. And in this case, in a, in a, in a town or a city, you have people um, that are operating at all different levels and they all have these ideas and improvements that can be made. So start with a framework, let it be a rough draft, but let it have intelligent thought behind it. And then don't be so married to it that you're inflexible. Yeah. Let there be some room for the magic to happen. Right. And for yes. the universe or God or source, whatever you want to call that to come in and like work its magic as well, because that's what I found is that I'll set these goals and I'll set these visions that I have and these dreams that I have. And then sometimes there's something even bigger or something even better. Like I never, I never, when I originally created a vision, I never had Hawaii in that vision. I always just mm -hmm. talked about wanting to live somewhere warm and by the beach, you know, and then the universe or God, whatever you want to call that was like, look, <laughs> Hawaii, <Yes. laughs> you know? Yes. And so that's been a huge game changer for me is having that vision and having that vision with intention. Like you're saying, like being very intentional and not just having the pretty pictures of the nice cars and the nice things, but building a vision with intention and then leaving room for the universe to come in and like work its magic, you know, and show you what's really possible outside of that as well has been huge for me. Yes. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree. And I am a prayerful person and I'm a person that believes in my, my um, most um, inspiring times are walking, mm -hmm. praying, seeking um, and just being out in nature. And in fact, the, and the, 1500 acre land that we acquired as a town. I literally mortgaged town hall to buy wow. this for the town, wow. but people thought I was crazy and I'm going to drive Wait, them that's under nuts. And, you know, all this. It was, it was crazy. Um, but it wasn't crazy. You know, yeah. we got a 1500 acre parcel that, that was a $60 million bankruptcy. Wow. So the property in 2008 went bankrupt it was owned by, it ended up becoming owned by a um, publicly traded real estate investment trust. They tried to sell it for 60 million. This is over a span of eight years, 60 million, then 40 million, then 28 million, then 25 million. Wow. And it, again, it had 1500 acres, a mile and three quarters of the Colorado River, huge water rights. And um, me working with other people felt that we could buy it even less. And I, and I actually got on their website, publicly traded company, you can read their minutes. And it said, yeah. we're li aggressively liquidating all non-performing assets in 2016. And I said, boom, let's go after this. So I presented it to the town board and the current mayor. In the first 10 minutes of the presentation, they all thought I was crazy. And literally, just they, it was <laughs> any, like pouring ice any water. Any big down vision, I feel like includes that. Like if, if yes. people aren't saying that you're crazy, I almost think that you're not pushing the limits 
enough or dreaming big enough. Like I've found that every time that I have changed my life or pushed the limits or said my vision, like people have said that I'm crazy. And that's kind of now it's like, okay, I'm, I must be on to something here if I'm dreaming big enough, you know? It, it's true. And that's, I think that that's nothing, nothing is impossible, right? For those who believe. So I think we have to have that. And if we're not pushing it, and I know that I've, I've almost, I have continually put myself in these challenging situations or uh, positions um, with prayer before at first, but people are like, why are you jumping into that? Or that just doesn't make sense to me or to the public. What I was doing was crazy at the time. And then, you know, after the property closed and the town paid off all debts and had still another, you know, thousand acres left over and preserved and protect the river and the open space. And now it's spectacular and it's a great revenue generator wow. for the town. And it's a great place for people to visit. And, and, and I mean, it's just a fantastic win. Then people come up and pat me on the back. I always yeah. knew you did it, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but we have to do that as individuals. And you, you, that's where the inspiration comes from. That's the energy if we just do things within our normal control, things that we can control, oh, it becomes so mundane, yeah. uh, in my opinion. I mean, there are people, my wife is very steady. She's kind of doing her thing and um, she likes that. And I like to just jump out there. I like mm -hmm. big challenges and I like to kind of to to walk on the edge, not reckless, not foolish stuff, but it's a matter of like pushing yourself. And knowing, and again, I put stuff up to prayer, knowing that things, it is possible, right, for those who believe. So we can put ourselves out there and um, and uh, seek and find and, 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 and pull together and realize there are more resources around us, right, for the right idea. The resources will always follow the right idea. And when I started even the simple things in the town, it was surprising the people that came out of the woodwork. Hmm. that wanted to help. And then we did, we improved one building and then the neighbor, he wanted to improve a building. And then we approved another building. And then, I mean, this whole, this whole um, momentum takes place. And then, you know, pretty soon we really had a community that was inspired um, in, in going um, places. And then they saw the fruition of that vision. So it was, it was very, very exciting. Wow. That that's incredible. So to clarify, before you became the mayor, you didn't have any political experience, right? No, no. Well, I had been on a uh, as a planning on the planning commission. Okay, and that's a that's an appoint a board appointed position. Yeah, so very minimal. <laughs> minimal, and and people were saying we you know run for mayor, and I'm like. I don't want to be mayor. I, I, I was just rebuilding and, and getting our, after the giant downturn, I'm like, I'm in a rebuilding mode. I'm getting the project going again. I was, I was very busy. Um, but again, I took that to prayer yeah. and, and I kept thinking in my own, my own self, I did not want to do it. There were two other guys running, let them have it. And it just kept coming up. And I will say that I'm the person, I'm a person that says, you know what, I'm going to surrender and, and in a, in a healthy way, submit and trust God to lead. And um, I really believe he led because it kept pushing. It just kept coming back. I'd be doing something else and all of a sudden it'd be like, okay, now's the time. You got to step into this. You got to. And then I was like, well, wow. I don't want to just kind of, you know, improve the branding or the signage and the, you know, or deal with somebody's cat stuck in a tree or these small town little problems. 
if I'm going to do something, this town needs a huge solution. Again, the town had gone through this devastating experience, and then it's kind of sat stagnant for many, many years. Um, always a beautiful place, but really in need of vision, and then someone to execute on that vision. And um, and that's where, when I have the, I essentially had the vision of the town acquiring this huge property on the west side of town, and that would force everybody to visit that comes through the town, and then the critical mass of people out camping and at the resort and at the conferences and in the cabins and all the social activities out there and the, and the mountain biking trails and the fly fishing, people there are going to naturally come into town and, you know, shop and eat and drink and have a great time and all of that. And that's really what had, what had happened. So it was a little bit of a business philosophy that revenue solves all problems. And how do you generate revenue? You have to have sales, you have to have an interesting product. And the town was a, how can we improve our product as the town? How can we serve people better? How can it look better? How can it be more friendly? How can it, you know, attract people, not be a drive-through, but become a destination. And the destination idea was buying that property, getting in a big resort. Um, and in fact, that resort has more than 1100 RV and cabin sites. Um, in the overall plan. Um, so it's it's a, a place that draws a lot of people and the people that come just love it. And, and it um, it's beneficial to, to so many, especially compared to a gravel pit, which was uh, planned. And um, uh, interesting, quick little story. I was actually kind of, I got a call as soon as we got it under contract Yeah, from a guy that was saying, uh, you know, he, I knew him and didn't necessarily uh, like him that much, but this guy calls me and says, I just, I just sent in an offer on that property. And I found out you guys just had put it under contract two days ago. And what are you doing with it? And what are you going to, Hey, you're going to, you're, you've literally, how's the town going to buy this? And he tried to question me and make me unsure. And then he was, then he, uh, he said, the wise thing is just to pull the town out of the deal. Hmm. It's going to fail. It's not going to work. And he was doing this for his own selfish gain. And then he, it was almost like a threat. It was kind of ask, tell, make. And he was trying to, he ramped it up. First, it was, we can make this worth your while. So when you hear about people being bribed in public office, right. um, I honestly don't think that probably happens very often. But I think that it's certainly in this case, this guy was asking me nicely, then I'll make it worth your while. And I'm like, absolutely not. This is something we're doing for the community period. And it's going to be great. And then he kind of left with a little bit of a threat. And, um, but I stuck to the guns and we closed on it and the whole project worked great. But um, you will have obstacles. People will come against you. People will say you can't do it. People have different motives. Um, but I think you have to follow your conviction um, follow what you feel led to do and uh, and don't give up on that. And that's in any of the areas like you and I are specifically talking about you rebuilding and transforming a town, but also in, you know, the corporate world when you're trying to climb the corporate ladder in your personal mm -hmm. life, when you're going for this dream that you have, this big vision that you have or whatever, I that's across the board is you're going to get these people who come into your world and try to take you off your path or convince you that it's not possible or, you know, try to get you to not believe in the dream anymore, or doubt yourself or that type of thing. So I think that is just a huge message for whatever area or whatever um, vision people have that they're going after. Now, question for you, with no 
I my mind is blown that you had no like political background or anything. Mm-hmm. You just like were able to get people in to believe in your vision and not only that but then to also actually transform the town as much as you have and everything and renew it and reactivate and all this stuff is just incredible. And so how would what do you think was the major difference in you versus like the other candidates to get people to actually buy into you know your vision that you have and the things that are possible like how did you how how'd you do that and like what stood out in your message or your vision that maybe wasn't in the other candidates or just how did you get people onto that same idea and vision that you had yeah so i i had created this vision and the effect of it so i kind of said all right cool my vision as mayor would be we do this land acquisition. And if we do this land acquisition, granted, I had to actually get the board's permission, the town board and the mayor's position, I'm sorry, permission to negotiate it. So I had negotiated it with the CFO of one of the, you know, huge company. And, and we, but we got it under contract. And then once we got it under contract, I said, this isn't some political stunt guys, but I want to be able to talk about this because if the public doesn't like this idea, I don't, I w- we shouldn't we won't pursue it and I don't want to be mayor because I don't think we have enough horsepower just to do little things and fix yeah. this town. It needs major renovation, major uh, new thinking. Um, so so I created the vision, if you will, and and um, got under got the property under contract, created the vision based on that and then the effects of that. So we do this land acquisition that's going to bring more people to town. We preserve and protect, protect the open space, the river. Now it'll be publicly owned instead of private mm-hmm. in a gated community. Now that everybody can go out and fly fish and they can hike and they can bike and it'll be preserved and protected and all that good stuff. We you know, have a dog park there and all kinds of cool things happening. But um, what it will do for our downtown, the jobs it'll bring in, we can bring in affordable housing. Um, and all of those. So I brought a vision. Um, the We had a debate. Um, there was three of us running, if you will. And, um, you know, one guy really wanted the town. Uh, he didn't share much of a vision. He was just kind of, I would say, a little bit angry and upset at, at uh, you know, one or two of the people involved in the town area and had a had a certain agenda that he wanted just to change. Um, and I would caution people against ever running for a board or even getting a job because you're just mad at one issue. Or leading a company, right? <laughs> like building, leading a, <laughs> building company. a company, leading a team just because you're mad about something. Just yeah. because you're mad about something. So that's that was one guy. The other guy had heard my vision because he was on the town board and he actually got to speak first. And he said that his vision was what I was going to do. Huh. And I'm like, this guy starts off saying, oh, we're going to do this big land acquisition that Paul's talking about. And I just kind of looked at him like, that's strange because he's running on my platform. (laughs) So people saw my, you know, I had it all mapped out. I had had a handout with every, everything listed on there. So that was kind of interesting. So, um, and I think people saw my sincerity and also the reputation I had in the town. I'm not a big social guy. I'm an introverted person. But people saw the um, the results of me taking that old kind of crummy gravel pit property, the smaller one, and turning that into a cabin resort and um, all the other things we did in the town and the community. Um, I wasn't a fly-by-night guy. I had a lot of years there. So I think people saw the vision. They were excited about the vision. 
And I think that first debate, which was held at a big a ski lodge, um, you know, I'm not sure how many people were there, but it was very well attended. It was completely full. And um, I think people saw that vision. They saw that I had a strategic plan to get us there. And, um, and you know, I think that that just began, the, that was the difference between myself and other people. And I'm even going to add in that I think one of the major differences as well is, you know, me, my whole thing is about being a soul entrepreneur and leading with that heart and soul piece first. And I think the fact that you heard the calling and you kind of at first were like, okay, like, I don't want to become mayor. I don't want to do this. But then the calling kept coming up and like knocking on your door and you kept hearing it and you chose mm -hmm. to listen to that and to pursue it and have that soul piece first, that calling first, that heart you know, driven thing first, I think is a huge game changer as well that you led with that calling and you led with, to your point, the prayer and the listening to the calling and, and choosing to act on it, even though that might not have been, you know, in your cards, like you might not have thought when you were 20 something years old that you'd become mayor of a town one day, you might not have identified yourself as a political figure or anything like that, but you heard the calling and you kept hearing it and you chose to say yes and continue mm -hmm. forward with it and leading with that place, leading with that good heartedness and just that calling and, and bringing that to fruition, I think is a huge game changer as well. Just having that like authenticity, you know, and staying mm -hmm. aligned with that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And I, I think that it's, it's a heart of serving. Yeah. Right? I love like that. My heart is I want to serve God first. Yeah. Right. We kind of have the God family, you know, work, right. Yep. Kind of in, in, in certain priorities. And I think that um, I want to be about a mission. In fact, when I was asked to come into the company that had, you know, the five different uh, uh, sub small companies underneath it, I went there um not just saying, you know, I need to see the numbers. I need to, I didn't, I didn't go there as a technical analyst. I went there and saw, um, uh, the vision. I saw the passion. I also saw a lot of hurting people who had been through a lot of layoffs. There'd been a lot of layoffs that went from a hundred people down to the last 17, but I did see genuine, um, potential there. And I really, uh, again, I take that stuff, uh, everything to prayer. Right. And uh, and I just kind of felt that push like now's the time to help. In fact, uh, if you were to look at my natural um, uh, kind of situation at the time, you'd be like, how can you go in and work for a company that can't even guarantee to pay you when you yeah. yourself need to, you know, get get going and get built back up? But it was service first. Um, and you find that if you are willing to serve no matter where you are, the most successful people are serving others with this heart of, of, of number one, appreciation, gratitude. How can I add more value every day? How can I help more day more every day? Um, you know, how can I support people around me? Um, th those people, when they live like that, when you live with that heart, I'm telling you what people will come out of the woodwork to help you and doors will open. Um, you know, and, and I'm a person with, you know, that did not finish college, but don't have a great, you know, formal education and all this kind of stuff, kind of stuff. But, you know, at when I'm doing real estate uh, developments, you know, I had a line of credit of six and a half million dollars, start out with three million and turn that into something else. And then all of a sudden was doing other projects. And I had people see what I was doing and they believed in that vision and they supported me in it. And I think that that number one, being true, honest, 
being a person of vision, of character, of service, um, having the right heart, having the energy, having the passion and having the follow through. Yeah. Um, all of that attracts the, the, the stuff that people will want to invest in and be part of. That is so cool. So through any of that, through the process of becoming mayor, through the process of when you went into these companies and totally transformed them around, through the process of even transforming your own life around, I'm sure you had moments where the doubt crept in, right? And did you have any of those moments of, you know, oh, this is a big vision, like who am I to execute on this? Or do I really have what it takes? Because I know personally, that happens for me where I'll set this big vision, right? And I'll start on my path towards it or whatever. And then I have those little doubts or the fears come in and say, I don't know, can you really do like, this is a big dream. Can we really do this? So did you have those come in? And if so, how did you develop such a strong foundational grounding in your faith that even when you dream big, like it will, you know, turn out okay? Yeah, that you just said it. That is the key is having that strong foundation of faith, knowing that you are where you're supposed to be and you're seeking the good of others. You're seeking to serve, to help. You know, I always say to help, to heal, to, to bless, to bring, you know, provision, prosperity, to, to, to elevate everyone. And um, I think when your motives are that, and you again, feel, I just, it's confirmation, right? I seek that confirmation. Like I did not want to be mayor, but I literally, kept putting that up in prayer and just, and I was just, it wasn't an ego trip. I'm just like, I don't even want to do it because it can be nothing but a nightmare. Yeah. Right. Um, but it kept coming back. And then I was like, okay, I know I'm supposed to do this. The, the, the gravel, the old gravel pit place I bought that turned into a beautiful cabin resort. And we won a bunch of awards for that. Um, that also was something that people laughed at, um, that you bought this property and you're going to do what with it? you know, and then all of a sudden it's, it's being modeled all over the place. I had a lot of developers come in and, oh, we're going to build this. We're going <laughs> to, they would just tell me straight up, they're going to kind of copy my idea and do it in other places, which was fine. But um, I think that, that, you know, taking things uh, to prayer, being contemplative about things um, and then seeking that direction. That's, and, and if you have this, um, faith and knowing and believing that you're on that path, then um, then you can go about it, right? And I, I had times, I've had many times and I've had many ideas and I, I've probably failed more than I've succeeded in, in, in certain areas, but I know the areas where I have this spiritual conviction that I'm doing the right thing, um, that they have turned out fantastic, even if you don't depending on how you measure it, right? People will measure sometimes, oh, you made $10 million or no, you lost $10 million, right? But I'm saying in a way that things turned out great because they were in line with that vision and that mm -hmm. calling. And, and to me, that's that's the blessing of it, knowing that, um, you know, knowing that you'll seek and you can find and know that we're empowered in the process. Um, and, and that's kind of the secret right? That's kind of the secret, you know, the, the secret is having that inspiration um, and being prayerful and then executing on that and never giving up. You're always going to face lots of obstacles. I've had plenty of sleepless nights or times when people were coming against me or situations that looked 
<clears throat> you know, really difficult or impossible. But I will tell you, I persevered knowing that I was on the right path. And those things, the the negativity and um, the, the 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 naysayers, you know, I always say success is the best revenge, right? And don't seek seek revenge on anybody, but just keep going for the success, keep going for the victory line, keep finishing it. And I've had people come to me and say, "I was your bit of, biggest skeptic." I had this man mm -hmm. come to me and say, "I was your biggest skeptic." And I really thought we were going to bankrupt the town. And and he th this was at a big event at that large resort. And he said, but now we're sitting in this most amazing resort that you had the vision for. And I almost can't believe it. And congratulations That's to cool. you. So that was, um, th th there are many, many stories in many, many situations. But when you have that conviction um, and you follow through on that conviction, you will get there. As a man thinketh, so is he. Another saying, believe it. Think about it, act on it, and be moldable and shapeable in the process. It's not a straight rise to the top. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a crooked, bumpy, bumpy jagged road. Yeah, with a few circles that you went with around in circles. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That but that's where so character, cool. character yeah. is developed. Character is developed in those hard times. And then you reflect on some of the most valuable lessons. They were learned in the hard times. It wasn't when everything just went perfect. Yeah. I love that. That is so inspiring. One of the things that I found really helped me as I went through my own personal like transformation and renewal journey is really grounding myself in beliefs that helped me when the times got hard or challenging or that doubt came in. So one of those beliefs that I always come back to now is everything's always working out for me. I just might not be able to see that yet. I might not be able to see how the dots are going to connect here, but I root myself and I ground myself in that belief of like, okay, even when everything seems to be going wrong or everything seems to be messy and challenging right now, like I trust that this is still working out for the greatest good. And that's been one of my beliefs that I've really grounded myself in and has helped me through those hard times, through those challenges. Do you have your own set of beliefs that you ground yourself in that have helped you through those challenges or through the naysayers and the doubts and that type of thing? Yeah, I mean, I have I have quite a through quite a few, but there's just literally you can even get a little book on Bible promises and there's about perseverance or faith or you know some of yeah. those simple little tools that you can go to, but you know nothing is impossible for those who believe and and uh, you know there's just endless endless um promises out there and because um you know I wasn't passionate about faith. I wasn't really introduced to faith until I was 30 years old. Right. And, but then when I'm like, I don't want this plasticky kind of faith, or I don't want to just like go to a church and pretend everything's good. I want something real and authentic and I want transformation. And if this is real, I'm going to welcome it in and I'm going to welcome it in and test drive it and say, God, I'm yours. D do whatever. And I mean, my life started to transform dramatically. And then I was like, okay, this is where I can hang my hat. This is where I'm staying. This is my firm foundation. And then when that firm foundation, it was reminding myself of those scriptural promises um, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, right? That you start thinking of all the promises that are out there that will support you, that will build you up and you will see it. You will see the things come to pass. You will see that support. There are times when you don't see it in the natural but that's just fine. There's no faith required if everything is just easy and visible. Yeah, so true. Man, so right? true. Yes, but the faith says, 
I can do all things, right? Through Christ who gives me strength, right? That's where the faith says, I can do all things. And I'm not operating out of a place of me or self or ego. I'm operating out of a place where I feel called to do this. And when you're, I feel called to do this, you're operating on a mission. And if I'm on a mission, you know, nothing's going to thwart me. We, we all watch these action, uh, you know, movies and different things. There's nothing exciting about those movies unless they face these giant obstacles. And then they overcome the obstacle, right? And we all have that in our life. We all have the, that ability. Yeah. So I know you've shared with me in the past that in your 20s, you were very much so focused on not, <laughs> like you said, it wasn't until you hit 30 that you started exploring faith and and finding out, you know, an authentic, aligned, faithful path for you. And in your 20s, it was very focused on, you know, the the cars and the things and the boats and whatever. So when you were in your 20s and and experiencing that, and I'd love to like hear more about that transformation too, how did you start to like hear that calling? Or I'm thinking of the people who, you know, want to change their lives. They want to tap in and live with more faith in their life, but they they can't even hear what the calling is trying to tell them or they don't even know where to start with their vision. Like, I would love to hear kind of your experience in that when you were in your 20s and how you first started to tap in and hear the calling and pursue it or how other people can as well. Yeah, I I um so um in in my 20s I was in this um resort summer resort town. That's yeah. just kind of this famous place for, you know, bars and clubs and all this kind of stuff, not worldwide famous, but you know, it had its share yeah. of like and it was just kind of a wild little town for sure. And I knew a lot of people and they were my friends and the the bartenders were my friends and the guys that worked the door and sometimes there'd be 200 people in line and I would just walk to the front and they're like go on in. And my buddies were the bartenders. And I mean, we partied, I partied like a rock star, right? I yeah. kind of thought that that was, that was a, uh, a fulfillment, right? Because we see these, um, you see all these images on, you know, whatever MTV at the time and all these kind of yeah. things, right? Where, you know, the, the, the girls and the partying and the, the cars and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of, I went down that path and, yeah. and I was working hard, but I partied hard. And it was kind of like, that was kind of a little bit of a motto, like work hard, party hard. And, and, um, and definitely did that and, and ended, you know, was on private jets and, you know, one time got away from the police in a Porsche 911 <laughs> doing about 130 miles an hour. I mean, did crazy things, hung out with professional football players, was on, yeah. was on a, partied on a tour bus with these, you know, well-known <laughs> musicians and just did crazy, crazy things, yeah. um, partied backstage with people. And I just had access and knew people and, and, um. And, and and I will say those times were fun. They were a blast, right? <clears throat> at at that that specific season, at those specific times. But the the interesting thing that uh, I've always been kind of se reflective, self reflective, is I would kind of wake up from one of these wild experiences or something, and and kind of say, I still feel kind of empty. And I remember being around someone who, um, you know, Super Bowl rings and very well-known, uh, you know, athlete for the Miami Dolphins and stuff at the time. And and he kind of had some of the same reflections, some of the same thoughts. And um, and I said, wow, if this guy has it. And then I was I was backstage with these the bands, you know, we're like passing around, you know, whatever we were partying and uh, 
and I could see it that they were weary that this living on the road and yeah, there was a bunch of fans and people jumping around when they got on stage. And so my conclusion was, if you have all the money, you have the fame, you have uh, an audience, um, but there's still an emptiness inside, there's got to be something greater. And um, and that's where I dove into in my 20s. I started to really dive into, you know, um, all kinds of books, you know, all kinds of uh, books about various religions, books about, you know, even metaphysics, books about, uh, you know, Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and all these people. And you can extrapolate a lot of wisdom from those different areas. But even as I implemented what they suggested, um, it wouldn't stick. And then I grew to a place where I was absorbing all this, um, like my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, she met me and she walked, first time she kind of walked into my uh, uh, my apartment and she saw all these books in like 200, you know, or so roughly. And she looked at me and she said, you are either, she's kind of looking at all the titles and she's just reading. And then she turns to me and looks at me and says, you are either the most screwed up person on the planet or the most well put together person on the planet. <laughs> because no one would read all of these things, right? I love that. And um, and so I think there was this emptiness. There was this void that the amount of success that I was able to be around and my own personal success, which I found a fair amount of personal success at that age, but this the, the emptiness kept rising to the top. And then and then um, through the years that grew. And my desire for um, for being around those circles and those people just kind of waned. And I, I ended up kind of, I moved from upstate New York to Colorado, and I ended up kind of getting a, a circle, if you will, of, of well-known people there. But at the same time, I saw the same thing. So I just backed away from it. And I just said, I need to be on a spiritual journey. Um, and I didn't find the answer right away. And um, one day, I actually went to buy a vehicle um, from a, a, a guy, a personal owner. And this guy just came out of his house and he was in his mid sixties and he was this tall, slim guy with a bright smile and bright eyes and his wife and his daughter. And they came out of the, and the house, had flowers that were four feet high. And I'm like, this is a trip. These people are different. They have joy. They have peace. They have excitement. And I didn't say a word to them. I was just noticing that the difference from where they were to the other people I was exposed to. And these people weren't mega wealthy or anything like that. They were what you would just consider kind of average in in those natural sense, but they had something different. And that man shared his faith uh, and he shared Christ and then said, hey, we do Bible studies. And he said, we're more like the book of Acts. We're not a church, but we just do Bible studies. And so I go home to my girlfriend at the time and said, do you want to come to a Bible study? And she's like, you like you party your brains out all the time. You're doing this. You're you. And I said, look, I'm going. I want something authentic and real. And I can't stand. I got to at least keep searching till I find this. So I started to find that the Bible contained all these great promises when before I tried to read it. And it just was kind of like, I don't get it. Hmm. But I had somebody help me unpack that, you know, and that's kind of what a Bible study is. You just go through and line by line, read stuff, and then you implement. And as I was reading and implementing, I remember leaving the Bible study, like uh, my girlfriend and I would drive together. Obviously, we're leaving after about the third or fourth time at this Bible study. And I turned to her and I said, 
I don't know what it is, but I feel like there's just chains falling off. And, and it was this feeling of just the past kind of falling away and a lightness of like, wow, I'm glad that's gone. And there's like a new, there's newness, there's freshness, this is real. And, and that has been something that has never changed in more than 25 years now of walking this walk and staying with that focus and that path and that foundation. That's incredible. What advice do you have for someone who may be going through something similar where they feel that void and they don't know what to do to like scratch that itch or to start to fill it? What advice do you have for them? Yeah, I would find, um, I would, I personally would just recommend going to people of faith that you believe that are, are living it and not necessarily those are closest to you. Cause I, I knew people that were really close to me that had faith and stuff, but I was like, eh, I don't want to talk to them about it. Um, and, uh, but you know, either exploring churches and the thing that I have found the best is really the Bible studies where you go there and don't, you don't have to know anything. Like when I told my girlfriend, we're going to go to a Bible study, she's like, oh my goodness, are there cliff notes on the Bible? Like, I don't know anything about the Bible and I don't want to show up not knowing. <laughs> That's her, funny. Her dad was a professor and, and, uh, he's actually a professor of Eastern religion for more than 40 oh, years. Wow. And uh, he traveled the world and all this kind of stuff and did a bunch of things, but she never saw that the realness and that commitment to, you know, the Christian faith. And I think when that's the difference for both of us and um, uh, but, but, you know, I would, I would, I would seek that. And um, also, you know, I've been in plenty of churches that sometimes I'm just like, uh, I just like, where's the door? I got to get out of here. And other places I'm like, wow, these people have genuine joy. They seem to be genuine and passionate. And the, the the church we go to now, I mean, there's people of every background and covered in tattoos and to, to multimillionaire business guys to everybody, right? And, you know, all different backgrounds, people from all over the world kind of. And I like it because it's just authentic. It's real. It's genuine. And when you see that, I think you found the place and it's a starting point. Yeah. Or even like what you said too, of starting to just find the books of the the messages that are calling to you, you know, or starting to explore. Maybe I don't want to hang out with these people as much, or maybe I want to spend more time, you know, being in nature versus going and partying or whatever that thing is. I think listening to just those little things too, mm -hmm. and like picking up the book that interests you, even though you weren't expecting to pick that up or um, just listening to more of those little nudges within you most, I feel more, I feel like that is what helps guide you to start to connect those dots and like pursue that path, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, podcasts and audiobooks and, you know, obviously YouTube and different things like that, but tap into something that feels authentic mm -hmm. for you and trust that it will lead you um, to that place. Cause yeah, I, 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 I experimented and checked out all kinds of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I landed where I landed and, and again, haven't strayed and haven't changed. And I would, if it, if it wasn't real, mm -hmm. but I believe so, that that's critical. Yeah. So fast forward to today. Now, you know, you're very rooted in your faith. You've left the office and the position as mayor. What is what's next for you? Like, as you think of as you come back to your vision, um, you know, what is the vision that you have for the next chapter of your life now? Yeah, I 
I believe that um, the, 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 the next season or almost mm -hmm. the rest of my journey um, is going to involve helping, um, serving, building up um, individuals, even companies or real estate. I was on a huge real estate project last week that's having a lot of different challenges. Mm -hmm. um, I, I get calls again from mayors. I work with people senators i work with different people at again all all levels people that are you know house painters and different things and i think that my my joy comes from helping those people um and helping businesses succeed and municipal leaders succeed um so i really believe that's where i'm going to be doing i i believe that i'll also participate in some of those um you know maybe some real estate investing or you know even buying old places and turning them around and, you know, doing different things like that. But, but I believe that my life is built on this um, helping people reinvent and recreate and um, find that within them, that, um, that joy, that sense of excitement about every day, that sense of excitement about uh, accomplishing their goals, their vision, their passion and helping them hang on. Yeah. When it's tough. Yeah. What advice do you have for those people who want to really reinvent themselves or their company or anything? You know, what advice do you have for them? I know we've talked a lot about vision, creating that big vision, but for the people who are like, you know, I, I envision the people who are listening to this podcast and are sitting there and like nodding. They're like, yeah, I want to like change my life or I want to change this business or whatever it is. What advice do you have for them that they can like really take with them today and start making? that change. Yeah. So if it's, if it's an individual, um, that, you, you know, you want to make those changes, I say, look at your gifts and your talents, the, the, the gifts that you were given to start with, right. We all have this, these natural inclinations, these natural talents, these natural gifts. Don't look at your, uh, whether you have accreditations or you have this, or you have that, uh, don't, don't look at that kind of stuff, but look at your innate and God-given gifts and talents. And, and what's so cool to hear is that's exactly what you did with the town as well. As you looked at what are the strengths that we have in the town right now? What are the what are those gifts that we have that we can work off of? So I think it's so cool to just hear those similarities in real time that the the thought processes and the things you're using right now to help people transform their lives is also the same thought process and the approach you took to transform the town as well. So I just want to put Always, that two cents in there. It's cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there isn't a difference. So when I get a call from somebody to come and look or just talk to someone and, and, I, and I love just brainstorming with people, the, the, that is my first place to go is what are your strengths, right? Some of us think, well, we got to focus on trying to just build up our weak spots or fo don't focus on the weak spot. Focus on what your strengths, what your gifts, what your talents are. And same with the company, same with the town, um, uh, is look at those areas and then and then strengthen those, strengthen those areas. And um, there's a there's a website, you know, there's a bunch of these different websites, but there's one that's uh, just a free kind of it's called careertest.net. And it's a um, you just go on there and it has like 60 questions. It's just a multiple choice. And what it does is you go through this this, you know, little question thing, it takes 15 minutes, but then it'll come out with a, um, you know, like your personality type and then the type of skills that you have, the type of natural inclinations. 
So, I mean, I've taken that thing five times over the years just for fun. Like I'll pop up and it always comes the same. It's INFJ, right? And you and I, you and I talk about Oh yeah, that. we are INFJs. We're the rare ones. <laughs> We're, we're, but right. that doing that, um, I did it through 16 personalities. I think it's what it's called. And when I first found out that I was an INFJ, that changed my life. Because like you said, it brings you through the strengths. It brings you through how your brain processes, how you perceive the world, how you think, how you build relationships, like doing all of that really. And when I started to read and do a deep dive into INFJ, which is our personality, so many things just clicked. And it just made sense of why I act the way I do or why I make decisions the way I do and how I perceive the world. So that was a huge game changer for me. So I highly recommend people go and learn what their personality is and and do a deep dive into those strengths, how you perceive the world, because so much made sense to me <laughs> after I learned that. And it, it, you're 100% right. And it's so fun, too, because you can say, Yeah. wow, it, it comes out, it, whatever your personality type is, then you can just even throw that on YouTube, you know, Yeah. like we're INFJ personality type, right? And you'll find a whole bunch of videos and they'll talk about your personality type, whatever, whatever that type is, put that in there and then and then just start to study, learn, read, and it will just support all of a sudden you have this confidence inside that. I was, I was made for this, right? This is, I was made for these type of things. This is my natural inclination. And, and again, you know, my wife is very different than I am. And, but you know, there's, we're all made differently and we're all gifted with these certain things. So again, that's a, that's a great starting point or it's a great reminder because sometimes we're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do next? Or what am I really good at? And sometimes we just need to like dive in there. and say, wow, this is what I'm, and that helps you make a career choice. It helps you, you know, make personal decisions. It helps you, you know, where do you want to live? What are part of, what are the important aspects to that? What refreshes you? What renews you? You talk about being in Hawaii, right? So all those different things will resonate with your personality type. I love that. So vision, strengths, anything else that people should focus on or start to tune into to create that transformation. Yeah. So if you, and I would say you create your vision with, with some realism, but also uh, meaning, you know, I think I can put these things together, but also what you were talking about is pushing the boundaries. Like what if there weren't limits? What if like, okay, I don't have enough money to do that, but just put that aside and say, if I had the money or if I don't worry about money as a resource, know that it will come, what will I do? So you want to put put that down and say, this is what I want to do. So you start to create a little bit of a strategy and um, you create a strategy without limits. You create, you don't let all the normal hindrances get in there. And then you kind of create this ideal vision and this ideal strategy to get there. And also be willing to accept that you've got to start where you are now and today, and that's believing in yourself and the gifts that you have and the gifts that you are giving given and then how do you serve others with those gifts and how do you start marching down this path and it, it, it i mean if i i talked with a guy that works at walmart a young a young man and you know this guy just had this smile and this joy and i was like all right buddy you know you've got this foundational you you serve with this happiness and this joy you're gonna go places and i just assured him keep that attitude keep that heart keep that Because if you don't think things are going to go well, they won't.
And there are times, and I have faced some major challenges, major, major challenges, where it just does not look like there's an answer. It does not look like things are going to go well. Um, and ridden out some hard times. But you know what? You have that faith, that foundation, that vision, knowing, knowing, knowing inside, and it, you'll get there. You will get there. I love that. And I love the coming from the place of service because that's one of the things I talk about all the time and being a soul entrepreneur. So many people are out there in asking themselves, what can I get? You know, how can I get more customers? How can I get more money? How can I get more followers? How can I get more status? How can I get the car? You know, how can I get all these things? And when we switch that around and start with how can I give, you know, how can I use my gifts to help more people? How can I give even more to this? How can I give more value to people? How can I give and serve more? I, that has been a huge game changer for me. And I find that so much, you actually receive so much more because you're coming from that place of just how can I serve? How can I give? How can I use my gifts? So I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And you know, if, if somebody's out there and I've been in a position too, where I'm recruiting somebody or I want to, um, you know, I'm going to hire somebody for a position or, you know, whatever it is, I'm looking for that kind of person. I'm not looking for their, I don't want to really see their resume. I don't need to. I see their attitude. I see their heart. I see that service mindset. And I say, boy, with that, I can train them and teach them to do anything. I built an entire marketing company within this company and I did not choose marketing people. That's incredible. I, I chose people with creative gifts and talents and a guy with video production background and a guy with a bunch of great editing skills and all this kind of stuff. He was working for a greeting card company and doing all these graphics. And I picked these two guys and I said, all right, you guys have this attitude, this heart, this thing. We're turning this company around. And then I got what I felt was the best marketing kind of how-to book. And I said, and I went through it first. I kind of evaluated it. And then I said, you guys, this is the game changer. This is the game changer for this company. We are going to implement. And I want to see those pages dog-eared. I want to see underline. I want to see that most importantly, we're going to meet every day and we're going to implement the strategy here. And we did. And we completely changed that company. And That's cool. they became, we were recognized as one of the best marketers in that industry. So it, um, again, it's, it, 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 I saw a great quote that sums it up and it says, don't seek to be a success, seek to be someone who adds value. I love that. I love that. And I can attest to that because I feel like that resonates with how we met as well <laughs> originally, where I remember our initial conversations, you're like, I'm looking for a, a marketer and someone to help me with a sales funnel and all this stuff. And then we got into conversation. You're like, I don't like I normally work with a totally different type of person, but our conversations are just <laughs> resonating. Yes. So I can totally attest to that's how you approach <laughs> life and business for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I literally have raised millions of dollars and had people back me on projects based on based on people know you're authentic, people know you're sincere in your approach and your work. And you're also not a know-it-all. You're like, Hey, you know, this is going to mold and shape and change, but you got to, you've got my word that I will sincerely pursue it and diligently pursue this every day. And um, again, people know within two minutes or five minutes of meeting somebody, whether they want to work with them or not, or whether they want to promote them or not, or whether they want them involved as a business partner, or whether they want to buy from them. And, and I think that all has a heart of serving, adding value, and I would drive to work when I was doing this corporate turnaround and it started at 6 a.m. And they worked, they worked four tens 
And from where I lived, I had to leave my house at 4.30 in the morning. And, um, and I was often there till 7.30 or 8 at night. And then get back and literally just say hi to my wife and just pass out. And we were, at the, these people didn't even know where they're, we didn't know where our paychecks were coming from. Yeah. And whether we would see, succeed or not. But I told myself, what value can I add today? What value can I add today? How can I add value? How can I add value? And I mean, we ended up turning that company around. And I remember hearing just three weeks into this deal and in the, in fact, I studied it for, I became a consultant for free for two weeks. And I said, I will do this for free for two weeks. Cause I think you have a lot of potential and I think I can figure this out. So I go to work for this guy with these five companies that are all circling the drain doesn't know how he's going to pay his employees. And I, I um, heard about this deal that was a potential large multi-million, $5 million contract. And I said to the owner, I hear about this contract and, and what's this company like? And he said, Oh, that guy, you know, I don't like him and he doesn't like me. And I said, let's put all that aside. You haven't paid me, but put me on a plane and see if we can put this together. And long story short, he flew with me but I did the presentation. I built the relationship with the guy. I brought the deal and we ended up leaving uh, Milwaukee, flying back to Denver, Colorado um, with a $5.1 million contract. Wow. That completely changed that company. Get out. So it's relational based. It is a sincere, how can we serve you? How can our company help you succeed? We see that you have this huge need. We can build the product you need. Yeah. And, and, and it just, that guy was like, wow, that's different. People were coming to them with the salesy stuff. And I was there. How can we serve you? Yeah. And we'll do Shoot, blood, I, sweat, and tears. Totally. Today. I mean, I completely resonate with that. That's the entrepreneur approach is showing up from a place of service. And, and we've had conversations around this of when you show up from that place, especially when you're selling something the sale becomes so easy, like, because you're just showing up and asking, how can I help? How can I give? How can I, how can I serve? And it's almost like has the opposite effect on people where people are asking then, how can I work with you? Like, how can I hire yes. you? And how can we continue this? And so coming from that place is, is massive. Cause to your point, most people are coming with the salesy presentation and just trying to sell. But when you start with that connection, that relationship first and genuinely asking, how can I help? How can I serve? That makes the sale so much easier. And people are wanting to work with you even more because you're, you're just showing up and wanting to help them. There's a saying that people love to buy, but they hate to be sold. I believe that fully believe you know, that so, fully. So they want to buy a solution right? They want to buy a solution to the problem or they want to buy, you know, something cool that they want, but they don't want to be pushed and sold. And I, if I go to a car dealership and they do all that salesy manipulation stuff, I am just so yeah. gone yeah. instantly. And I know a couple of places where they have all these cool cars and they don't bug you at all. And they're, they're just to help. And they're just doing a tremendous business yeah. because the, the attitude is, Hey, we have cool stuff. Look around if we can help. Great. But I mean, it's just a whole different vibe. And that's the same thing in any business, any industry. We're here to serve. We're here to help. We're here to, you know, be here for you. And um, whether it's an individual or a company or a municipality, that's how we handled our customer service, if you will, internally is we're here to help. Yeah. Right. Question for you. Um, 
and a little change of topic, but how are you navigating now going from being so busy all the time of like working with all these companies, being the mayor of a town, you know, being involved in all these real estate projects and overseeing them, making sure they get completed? How are you making that transition from being busy all the time and achieving and always having something on your to-do list to now learning how to rest a little bit more and like take care of yourself and recharge? How has that transition been for you? And what are the the mindsets or the beliefs that you've had to change to kind of like relax into that more? Yeah. So after my four years and three months as mayor, it's a four-year term and, you know, it's, it's a long story, but I stayed a little longer than that. And I didn't finish the extension because I sold my house, but, but I ended up more than four years as the mayor. And while I was doing that, I was also running a development company. I had a commercial building that I remodeled and was putting businesses in there. I owned a self-storage facility. I'm a dad to four kids, leading Bible studies, a husband, you know, and had my own resort project that I was working on. So I had a lot. So not busy at all. You, I'm not got busy plenty at all. of time. <laughs> and, and I loved every minute of it. It was yeah. great, great, great. But um I knew that I was only going to be there four years as far as running and I wasn't going for it because I knew I accomplished my mission. I got the the town kind of turned around and set the template for the future. Um, and, um, and I knew that I had been a good steward of that mission, if you will. Right. And um, so I had this sense of accomplishment and satisfaction from that. But what had happened was I had just worked so much. I didn't even know it until I did slow down. But when I slowed down, I said, wow, I really need some rest. So, um, you know, I sold my uh, properties and we bought, you know, pretty nice, you know, 60 foot boat and lived on that and had that boat. Um, we just sold it. We had it for three years and spent a lot of time on that boat and a lot of time just um, reflecting and, and I, I still have been, I'm still involved in real estate deals. I'm still involved. I, I speak at different men's groups. Um, I do, I still am very busy. I work with some youth. I, I do a lot of things. Um, and, um, but I did take this time just to take a deep breath, kind of recharge, fill myself back up and, um, and then just say, okay, what do I want from the second half of my life or the final half of my or the final third of my life? I mean, who knows, right? Um, but but that reflection was I again want to add value. And I believe it is for individuals, it's for companies, it's for municipalities, because it is the same template. At least my method is is I feel deeper than the super. The, the, the obvious things, right? And in everything, you look at the numbers and you do all that. That's all That's all a given in any kind of turnaround or any kind of situation, but it has got to be a uh, soulful, uh, prayerful approach and a foundation. Um, and then from there, it is I'm seeing what the opportunities that have been open to me. And when I have an opportunity, I dive right in. And uh, so I am, uh, you know, I am busy, not as busy as I was, but I'm doing the things that I want to do and I'm growing the coaching and consulting um, business along the way. And that's very, very exciting to come along guys at any level, you know, whether they just are really having a hard time or they're a very successful business leader that just really needs to make some decisions and needs to have somebody to bounce those off of. Amazing. You're so inspiring. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy we were able to do this. What final two cents, if you could give, if you could leave the listeners with a final kind of thought or idea or inspiration or two cents, what would that be? I would say, you know, know that nothing is impossible and know that, you know, it is worth it. It is worth um, going for it and you will fail. And don't look at it as a fail. Um, study some of the Stoic mindset and the Stoic ph- philosophies because they don't look at failure as a failure. It's just an outcome, right? So have some of that mindset too that, you know, don't let things knock you. Maybe they can knock you down, but get back up. Maybe a little bit of the Rocky mindset, right? Um, but always go for it. Always, It's always worth going for something larger than yourself. It's it's always worth going for something that you can reflect on and say, you know what? I'm glad I pushed those limits. I'm glad that I tried that. I'm glad that I went out there, even if they don't necessarily turn out fabulous in all areas, because nothing will, but you're still going to have many great memories. And if you come from this heart of service, this heart of I'm here to give, I'm here to help. I'm here to make this a better place. You won't regret that. Yeah. I love that. And one of the insights I had the other day, was I talk a lot about writing your own definition of success. You know, what is success for you? How do you define it? But I had this aha moment the other day where I was like, well, what is my own definition of failure? Like, how do I define failure? And for me, when I thought about it, I was like, failure to me is actually not going for it. Like if I had this dream and I had this calling, but then chose to still keep playing small or stayed in the safe job and didn't actually bring that to life, that is the failure. And so then when I had that reframe, I was like, wait, I'm actually, I'm not failing at all then if that's the case, because I'm going for it. I'm trying things. We're learning. We're picking ourselves back up, you know, and failure is actually to me not trying at all, hearing the calling and not doing anything about it. And so I I love what you had to say and asking yourself too, how do you personally define failure? You know, because what if it's not actually when you go for it and it doesn't work out the way you want? What if failure is actually not going for it at all? You know, that's probably our personality types being similar. But um, I, I think failure is settling, being complacent, um, not believing in yourself, not going for it. And, you know, when we when we reflect on this life, however long it is, right? Um, uh, all of us at different time frames, right? But I think that we will not regret going for the big things. We will not regret using our given talents, given gifts and exercising those um, I think that's, I think that's it. I think that that's, you know, those are the things that we need to go on. That's what gives us life. That's what gives us energy. Um, some people may have, uh, a, a job that maybe, you know, an outsider, I might judge it as, oh, that seems kind of boring or complacent, but you know what? They can be in a regular, good, steady, stable job and really enjoy it and be adding value. And thank God for that. That's perfect. That's where you want to be. But then in their other areas of the life, they're stretching, they're growing, you know, um, with part of the reason I, I didn't run again for mayor. Um, I, and I just had this innate knowing I just need to accomplish these things. But one day my two young boys jumped in the back of my truck and we were going to go do something for the day, which was, I just had to carve out this, you know, couple hour period of time. I called my wife and said, have the boys ready. I'll pull in, jump in the truck. We'll go do something cool. And they jumped in the truck 
And I had just heard this on the radio. This guy said, ask your kids, how can I be a better dad? Or you could say, how could I be a better husband? How could I be a better wife? How could I be a better employee? How could I be, boy, you at, so I asked my boys, how can I be a better dad? And they said, throw away your phone and stop being mayor. <laughs> we got right to the heart of it. They don't, they and don't and I said, okay, well, I can stop being mayor because that's coming to an end here pretty soon. But you know, I can't throw away my phone because that's how I make my living and I communicate with people, but I can certainly shut it off. Yeah while we're together and keep that time focused on them and the moment and being alive in that moment. How powerful that one little question yes. can be and how life-changing that one little question can be. That's yes. incredible. I love that. Yeah. Paul, you're so thank inspiring. You. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. You are too. I appreciate oh, it. Thanks. Thank how you. can people connect with you more or find out more about you? Like where can people go to learn more about you or just connect with you more? Yeah, I have um, a site that's um, the domain may change and it may become my name, but it'll always do a redirect, but it's mensrenewalcoaching.com, mensrenewalcoaching.com. I thought cool. that was easy enough. People can connect with me. We can do a you know a free strategy session. Love to kind of hear where you are. Um, and also, you know, this isn't, this is a personal, you know, for personal renewal, but also if you're a business person, if you're a municipal leader, if you're wherever you are and you just know that you need, um, uh, some insight, some inspiration, someone to look at things, maybe from a spiritual component mm -hmm. and then bring in the, the natural areas and the skill sets. Um, I'd love to hear from you as well. So uh, men's yeah. coaching and either either and i'll link that in the podcast description okay. for everyone as well so it's easy for you guys to just click on but any no matter what paul is such a cool person to be connected mm -hmm. with and to i think you everyone who's listening heard it in this interview but you are truly someone who wants to serve and help and you have such good intent to share your strengths and your magic with the world and bring just transformation into the world and this idea of renewal and reinvention. So no matter what, Paul is someone that you want to be connected with because <laughs> he's awesome. Yeah. So oh thank you. Yeah. I love to connect with people. I love to hear people's stories. I love to to share and encourage and 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 know about what they're what they're you know going through or what their goals are or uh just love it because we all iron sharpens iron and a rising tide lifts all boats and completely believe in in all of that. So I love that. Paul, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. You're incredible. Thank you, Lexi. I appreciate it. You are too. Thank you. Of course. Appreciate you. Hey, Lexi here. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you are ready to start creating a life in a business you love, but you have no idea where to start, go grab my free audio training, which will give you three simple steps on how you can start turning those dreams into reality today. You can head over to transformwithsold.com to grab that free audio training today, and we'll catch you on the next podcast episode. See ya.